0: Another episode of Brigadier. Radio. Brigadine Radio, where we talk about emerging issues, independent thinkers, shaping commerce and culture. Back with us in the Queen City, Chad Munitz.
1: Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's, uh, I think this is the first sunny, warm day since I've joined the Brigadine Radio show in the Queen City. Well, that's good because
0: winter's not far away. It's the end of April. So, uh, you know, you're only uh, four or five months away from winter again, yes. which is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's been a cold spring. Um, it's only gonna be in mid seventies today, but yeah, it's been a cold spring. My flowers are just starting to bloom. We have a cherry tree that produces actual cherries, so it just pops, uh, so it's nice. You turn those into maraschino? We make actually, yeah, we do maraschino. We make jelly, jam. Um, they're quite good. I know my new, my new thing now. I know to pick them when the birds start eating them, and you know that's yeah. how I determine that's when they're right. But
1: it produces a lot of cherries, actually. That's cool. Yeah, Michelle make, likes homemade maraschino. buys cherries, pits them. I'm pro cherries. I like cherries in pretty much any format. So,
0: Anyways, now that we've lost our seven viewers, let's get on to the more interesting <laughs> stuff.
1: Um, generous on seven.
0: It's got to be at least 15. All right, here we go with bots, including bots. Let's talk about sports TV. Our favorite event is happening this Thursday. Chad, what's our favorite yeah. event of all NFL time? Draft. television show? The NFL, NFL draft.
1: NFL draft. Detroit. Absolutely
0: fantastic. Well, Detroit's not going to the twenty twenty four. Yeah,
1: they're on the clock.
0: Which is it's, which I want to talk about. Let's, let's focus on Las Vegas, who lost, I guess, the draft in, during COVID, and they shifted it. This event, I absolutely love the NFL draft. I don't know what I actually watched more of the NFL draft than I probably do of NFL football throughout the regular season. I don't know what it is, but it is. 600,000 people show up live. It's days and days of television, multiple networks. What's the secret behind the NFL draft?
1: It's because it's America's sport. It's, it's the build up for the greatest sporting events, uh, you know, of the
0: year. And it's also the hope and dreams, right? You get these young kids, yeah. these young guys, you know, priming their athletic careers, getting picked to sign to make millions of dollars. I mean, there's something – it is something all-American, isn't
1: it? It's all-American. It's all – you know, one pick can turn around a team. There's just rabid fandom, except for Cleveland
0: and so, uh, Detroit. So,
1: get a long story in history. Um,
0: no, I guess yeah, one pick supposedly could turn around a team. As a long-suffering Lions fan, I've yet to see that prove out. Um, but also, to me, it's also the fans, right? It's like you know, I love the cutaway shots. You know, when the GM, the smart, the smarty pants, the executives probably pick the, the best player that's needed for that team, but he's not flashy. And the fl- you know the fans react, they cry, they scream, they yell. It's absolutely fantastic. That's probably my favorite part.
1: Yeah, it was you know twenty years ago when it was uh, still always in New York, and you know basically all the rounds were in one day of just seeing the Jets fans boo. Yeah, constantly absolutely boo fantastic. the pick,
0: which is great. I saw the other day. Um, yeah, the Jets picked a tight end over Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp ended up going to Tampa Bay. Warren Sapp, obviously, all-pro career, Super Bowl, you know. I have no idea who this tight end is from the Jets, right? We know Warren Sapp is. And that's the juxtaposition, right? All this studying, all this research, all these analytics.
1: And at the end of the day, who the hell knows that these kids are going like to turn yeah, out? You know, they're now most of them are 20, 21. Yeah. They're still developing. The, the shift in competition, I don't know the exact stats of, you know, how many players play Division I. And then the number of folks that are actually in the NFL, it's just the level up of competition is just so immense. I looked at, uh, uh, yeah, I think about for baseball
0: and soccer, there's like 200, 200, right around 200 teams that play D1, right? So I don't know, maybe fo- it's probably less than football. I'd say it's, I don't right. know, 180, but even if it's 200, yeah, you're only talking a few hundred, a few thousand kids. And out of that, you know, only 100 get picked to go to the NFL. It's pretty wild.
1: It is, it is wild. Uh, you know, I actually think, well, it'll be great with all the COVID restrictions and more players there. It, it's been really fun the last couple of years when the players are all at home with their family,
0: get that yeah, call. You, you like that, eh? The family like touch, being a surrounded. Yeah. yeah Some modest mid, Midwestern home getting picked to go to the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is a show. Yeah. I mean, the professionals are now, these kids, you know, basically when they finish the football season in the fall, they basically drop out of school and they train full time amount of um on and off field activities that
1: get ready for these kids to get drafted is immense and from an early age even uh, you know there's friends here in town that have kids in high school that they're already getting media training in high school in terms of how to talk to the press for real how to, how to handle social media mostly social media uh, you know the do's and don'ts of things on social media and while you know when we were growing up the worst thing you could do is say something stupid that ended up in the paper and the opposing team had that stuck all up in the locker room. Oh, the, it's just locker, the locker
0: board. Were they called yeah. a locker room talk or the uh, – what was it? Bolton, no. Bolton
1: board. Bolton board, yeah, yeah. there we go. Um, to motivate them, you know, now there's all kinds of things you can step into that you probably shouldn't say. Well, somebody provides communication advisory. I like the idea of more media training
0: early and often. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should shift my business to uh, high school athletes. I uh, hadn't <laughs> thought about that. Um, I think, too, like getting back to, well, I want to talk about two things. Uh, the impact on the city. I mean, obviously, you've done a lot of economic development at the state, national, and local level. Um, these kind of big, I don't know, come like a 10-pole event. It seems to draw a lot of attention. Detroit isn't hosting the draft until 2024. I guess Kansas City has it next year in 23. But the city of Detroit, already has a countdown clock in downtown they're they're already rolling out the red carpet if you will they're making it like a marquee event the ability to
1: show off detroit smart i guess right or i don't know something rally around or i mean i I think it's very smart for a couple reasons it's something to rally around the national and global publicity that the city gets Uh, you know it's the uh, we talked a lot about this whole inner entertainment but just having people wanting to travel to understand things you know that the Guy Fieri, I've, uh, I've got my whole list of places to stop when I drive across the country, he just draws yeah. people there. But I also think from a local level, being able to organize and bring the community together to produce one of these helps immensely to do get other things accomplished in the community. It's yeah. hard to bring that, those many people together, that many resources together to actually produce the event. I think in the long term, it just helps the community be prepared to do other large projects.
0: Oh, I like that. So it's almost a training ground. And I guess for the NFL now, you know, you've got three or more, three or four marquee events now, right? You got the NFL draft, you got kickoff weekend, you got the playoffs, you got the Super Bowl, you know. And once again, the NFL
1: finding more ways to dominate our mind space. It's, it is an amazing juggernaut. It's just in the, it is suited so well for TV, for uh, social media, for kind of the Instagramification. None of the other sports break down into that level, I think, where it's so easy to sit down and watch. And the fact that there's just such a finite amount of games. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I think baseball and NHL hockey is trying to do a better job of their
0: draft. But some of the drafts, of those of baseball and hockey in particular, are more speculative, right? Like these kids get drafted. And there's, I don't know, the weird, the contract, especially in baseball, I fully don't understand how you get drafted in baseball. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And then the MSL, MLS draft, I'm sure they're doing stuff. But it's not even resonating. But the ability to kind of stretch that season, I think, is probably the big learning here.
1: Yeah, it's that and and it's it's creating the market for these players. I mean, the NFL understands that really what drives it is the personality of the players on the field. So being able to break that up and introduce the country and the nation and all the fans to those players and those segments. I mean, that just the first night alone, there's I, know, I can't remember, half hour in between each draft choice. Yeah, yeah. So they, they get to introduce that player and the family and the background on all those people to this national media and absorb it. It's, they've just they've done an amazing job how they produce that together. It's crazy. No, they've nailed it.
0: Um, There's a great story this week in the LA Times about how the LA Kings are actually uh, expanding hockey to Mexico, getting more kids in Mexico to play. And it's really, it's interesting now that, Part of being a professional team is also expanding the sport, right? Getting more people in as fans, but also more people in as players. So I think the MLS has done a great job around the academy system. And, but it's, it seems like it's a prerequisite. Like it's basically now becoming a 24-7, 365 situation where we got to engage fans, fans as well as future players.
1: Yeah, it's getting those people to drive to, to drive to the sport and get them to understand how the sport works. And uh, you know, one of your favorite pastimes is gaming, So, uh, you know, the explosion of Madden has actually driven the sport quite a bit of just sucking people in. I think it's actually helped a lot with other sporting, uh, the FIFA games, the NBA, uh, live 2K games, help kids get involved and understand how the game works at an early age and brings them in as fans. And that, again, the NFL is amazing at marketing that, the build up to who's going to be on the cover of Madden, get those star marquee players in there, their moves, their clothes, their looks. kind of push that through
0: so i do a uh famous i don't know how famous it is it's famous to me i do a a mock draft i've done it for the last few years um do you know who's going first this year do you want me to give you the rundown or do you know no give me the rundown
1: i know my cleveland browns still not even have a draft choice in the first round so
0: well they don't need one i mean why why have a why waste a first round draft pick frankly i mean it doesn't (laughs) my why does it it doesn't even matter who the browns draft frankly all right so number one jacksonville Number two, Detroit. Fantastic. This must be the 87th straight year in a row where Detroit has at least a top three pick. The Houston Texans are third. The Jets, the Giants. We go with Carolina. And then uh, I guess the Giants go again. Um, they sneak in there maybe with the Bears. But listen, these are like the same teams every year, right? Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, New York Giants, New York Jets. I mean, there's a pattern here, right? It, that, that, that's what's so interesting about this draft. It doesn't really seem to matter.
1: Who do you think? um, Go ahead. I I do. It could matter of just, I I don't think this is a great year uh, for quarterbacks. And obviously, it's a quarterback driven league, can turn a team around very quickly. um, Sounds like your guy from Michigan is going to be not a more draft choice, anyways.
0: Andrew Hutchinson, I think it would be quite, um, God, man, for him to go to Jacksonville. What a disaster. Jacksonville, (laughs) aka uh, the future team of London, England. I don't know. It'd be pretty fantastic for him to end up in Detroit, but I don't know. Maybe that's a curse, too. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Anyways, on Thursday, I do a mock draft. It's very funny. Um, It's not at all serious. It's uh, very tongue-in-cheek, and it's one of my favorite activities for the year. So look for that on Thursday. It'll be on all social media and blog platforms. It'll probably go viral, so you won't have to search for it that hard. But these mock drafts are a lot of fun, too. <clears throat> I should have been better prepared to pull this up, but maybe the internet will reward me. I can't find it. All right, here we go. Should we go on to the next topic? Are we done with the NFL? Yes. All right, let's talk about your favorite thing, music and NFTs. What combination? So you famously got me involved in vinyl records, which has been a love-hate relationship. What an expensive new hobby you're going to me to! <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, go Do ahead. you
1: know, Are you aware of what today is? I'm not aware. I mean, that, I mean, National Record Day.
0: It is National Record Day. That's like a real thing. It's a real. Oh thing. Oh my god! It's like a the, lot of the,
1: exclusive uh, vinyl drops at your local records store today. Is that true? Yes.
0: Actually, you know, there is a record store I follow on the Insta. And I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I did post something. So once again, we've got marketers meeting up with demand, finding a way to uh, sell a few more items, making a national holiday out of it. Very exciting. So is the next evolution going to be NFTs now, right? I mean, I guess vinyl is the gateway to NFTs. Is that what we're going to see? Yeah,
1: I think so. Uh, You know, part of it is, everything to do to create buzz about your band and your uh, latest album, but also just to drive revenue, to be able to sustain the lifestyle of being a musician as your full-time job. So any way to get that out and it's just ever changing of what happens uh, out there. Um, I think I shared with you, I listened to a podcast last week uh, with Led Friedman and Rick Rubin and just talking about the change, uh, Rick Rubin being, you know, one of the greatest producers of our generation uh, for sure. maybe maybe in the lifetime of music where he only listens to albums at a time and that that's uh, few and far between anymore everything is song driven what's going out there you don't have to collect anything as a single album so finding a way to be able to get out there and be part of it and follow your band i think it's an important gateway and uh, your favorite band the wu-tang clan probably started this they they had that single album that only one person could buy. Gosh, that was probably a decade ago. Maybe.
0: Yeah, um, I still don't know who the Wu Tang Clan is. To be totally <laughs> honest. Um, yeah, and then once again, they're pushing the limit. They're um, they're selling. They're going to sell gear in Fortnite, right? They're going to go into the metaverse yeah. and start selling yeah. gear in Fortnite. Um, it, it makes sense. Like I actually c- collected ticket subs from famous shows I've seen. So yeah, this is probably the next evolution finding different tiers. You know, there's a lot of price architecture in here, a lot of consumer behavior, collectibles. Um, I've yet to buy an NFT at all. But I guess, I don't know, maybe a musician's probably the first thing I would buy if I was to buy an NFT. Well,
1: I think you're just talking about ticket stubs and collectibles and things, even new concert posters you have behind you. the It's just changing. I mean, the, it, in the next decade, there's not going to be any ticket stubs. Everything will be virtual. I think the NFL actually, talking about leading and marketing, your Super Bowl ticket was actually an NFT that you had. So there were no physical tickets, but you own a lifetime of that NFT, to the ticket to the Super Bowl that was on your digital device. So, so- I've got to
0: pull every time I got to pull. i like, hey, I want to show it off. I got to like pull out my phone and like find it. And oh my God, what a nightmare. Um, you know what's interesting? I read this great piece this week, which was in the Brigadine Daily. and If you had a chance to read it, just about Spotify and Muzak and it's been it was written a few years ago um but the author contends that like spotify is like more keen about getting back to your bone about rick rubin listening to entire album right 10 or 12 tracks spotify is really trying to push you into moods right where it doesn't even matter who the band is it's like what kind of mood are you in do you want to exercise yeah are you trying to relax is it sunday brunch which I hadn't even thought about. I mean, in some ways it's kind of genius because like then as a user, I don't have to think about it. I'm like, oh yeah, what kind of mood am I in? I answer one or two questions. Boom, there's a curated playlist, but it strips away. It's very algo driven. It, you know, it's, just, it's, it's the musicization of kind of records. Uh, I was kind of struck by that because I like, I like to think of myself as a devotee and, you know, making my own selections around music. But yeah, there are times I just, I'm like, yeah I need to listen to music I can study to chill whatever, boom, hit the button and I'm off. And I don't even know who's on the list.
1: Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting to see how this next generation, if they continue to go to that, or if they're going to c- curate their own playlist, you know, the age of the individual mixtape of trying to put that together. Of Here's my mood. I stick this tape in, I'm going to do a workout. Here's my workout mixtape. Here's my motivational thing. Here's what I'm sending off to my girlfriend. These are the mixtapes that I put together. And are people still going to think of that that way and curate them themselves or just let the algorithms do it for them?
0: Well, even the, uh, cause I think we both talked about this. So <clears throat> I use YouTube music. I think you use Apple music and we've created our own playlist and um, you know, I've tagged certain music and there could be like a few hundred songs on there, but the algo routinely sends me the same, <laughs> the yes. same songs. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to go through the entire list, which then I'm also like, is it because these songs are cheaper? Why am I being delivered this song over uh, like, I, You know, I'm, I'm
1: getting very conspiratorial with my alga, but what's I, going I, on with that? I would, ass- I would assume it is, actually. I'm, uh, I'm, I guess I'm pessimistic that it's a true algorithm, that there's uh, <laughs> the old school, you know, over the airwaves radio payola involved in it. It's either uh, folks paying to get their songs pushed to it, or it's the cheaper version to pay out the royalties to get that push.
0: The, the curating of a, of a soundtrack that was pretty interesting. I mean, back in the day, you and me used to like share CDs and uh, put yeah. together stuff. And uh, I don't know, maybe that should come back. I don't know. There probably is a market out there for it.
1: I, I think there is. Um, I think it's just how you get get it out there and share. I think eventually all these, as we've talked about, the, the services are going to mix together. So you'll be able to mix and match things. It's hard for me to create a playlist on Apple Music and send it to you as a YouTube music uh, user and figure out how that, bridges the gap yeah it's weird too because like i don't use spotify but it's funny when you get like a link to
0: like a spotify list and some of it could even be publicly available um because it's by the url i don't know like when you're like used to your own little system it's kind of the way to go i was a huge fan of pandora back in the day too um i thought what they did was super smart you know i don't know the backstory there is that they were actually using musicians to kind of set up the playlist and the tagging all those
1: different music so you know there was, it wasn't a machine that was behind it yeah, it was, it was very personally curated. And I know I mentioned this in the last pod, my uh, loyal listener that that threw this out, but I've really been enjoying that WFMU, especially their morning show. It's called Wake and Bake with Clay Pigeon. Uh, it's got a great morning show. It's a pretty good mix of music on there. Well, once again,
0: you've t- tried to uh, exploit me or uh, you know, ex- send me on a new way, but I keep going back to the same thing, KCRW. Yeah, It's hard to like really yeah. break through uh, when you're used to something, but I don't know. I'll try your radio station at least one day this week. I promise. <laughs> did Ruben talk about, uh, yeah, did, he did like a four hour interview with Lex Frieden, yes. which is Absolutely fantastic. Um, did he talk about NFTs or the metaverse
1: or where this stuff is going? Did they talk about the future of technology or is it really about him as a producer? He, it really is more on him as a producer um, and putting together an album How He, gets the best out of artists. Um, and uh, you know, his philosophy is really, you gotta try everything when you're in there. There's no, which is uh, very similar in kind of business and brainstorming, even in marketing communications, you're putting plans together. There's no idea is a bad idea. He tries not to influence it and let, let folks go. Um, he also, you know, again, focusing on just curating the album, He says, you know, we usually when he gets in a studio, he ends up with 25 songs or so that come out of it. And he tries to break it down to, you know, here's the five songs that are must-haves. So don't try to create all 12 songs at first. Here's the five that are must-haves. And then what are the next songs that complement those five as you're curating an album together? I
0: actually did see that segment. And I thought that was like a really powerful lesson too, right? Because just from a communication kind of marketing standpoint. Because curation or deciding or constraining yourself is always a key component of communications. You probably actually have more content than you actually need, but it's deciding like what are the, yeah, what's the core? What can I not leave without? What's the best stuff? Let's fill it right. in from there. That was kind of a, yeah, that was an interesting point.
1: That you have the best, and then maybe number six is the sixth best, but it doesn't complement your five best. So you want to build everything to complement this, things in <clears> your, your strongest suit. It's interesting. I,
0: I suppose too. Like if you're going to work with Rick Rubin, you got to know the drill going in. Like I'm sure he's very upfront, and he's at a stage in his career. He's got enough power to be like, "Here's how I operate. Yeah. Take it or leave it."
1: So that was great too. Which you know we've uh, both been lucky to meet some people that are uh, pretty influential and high powered in our life. Just this whole fact that everybody's human. They all have uh, flaws and insecurities, and then strong points. And getting to sit down with these people and discover that is amazing how you strip that back and get to who they are as an individual. you know, talked a lot about getting to work with Paul McCartney, which is probably the greatest ever in terms of songwriters. Um, and be able to see him just as a person who has to struggle through things and figure stuff out and get him mm. to produce his best work. Yeah. And McCartney, it's interesting. He's still doing it. You know, that's what I think what's really
0: interesting. Even Rick Rubin. I mean, there's no yeah. need for, I mean, Rick's proven everything he needs to do and, but they're still out there trying to find a new way to deliver music. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's interesting. I, think it, I, I don't know if you saw this quote the other day, but you know, it was attributed to Britney Spears, but she was basically like, listen, anybody can make a Radiohead album, but it's really hard to make a pop song, which is kind of the other way. Like Ruben, yeah, he wants or twelve songs, but Britney's like, listen, it's super hard to have the best song you know, in 50 countries. So uh, maybe we don't give enough credit to the pop song as well.
1: I, I you know, Good, catchy pop song is pretty hard to beat. Um, and that is hard to get that global reach. And that's what most pop songs do. You know, they, they don't just become number one hits in the United States. It's number one hits across uh, most of the developed world. So, I wonder if we should, as a task
0: in the next uh, four weeks, force ourselves to buy an NFT from a band that we like. <laughs> I don't even know. if I'm even thinking about some of my favorite bands, say the Joy Formidable out of Wales. I don't even know if they I mean, do they even offer right. NFTs right now? That's our task. Yeah, then you got to spend, uh, I don't know, we won't cap it. I mean, you're much more affluent than I am, so you can, you know, you can go down the Wu-Tang Clang original album. Um, but no, I think that'll be an interesting project. We can come back and report to our audience and see what we discover. Because even on top of it, I'm not even thinking. It's been such a weird time for bands, too. Like, they haven't been on the road in years. They'll probably get some other immediate situations, but there's no doubt.
1: Yeah, there, there was an interesting um, little segment, uh, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of Jack White. Yep, And um, he just actually released an album last week, and I think he's got another one coming out this summer. Uh, But he kind of talked about when the pandemic hit, he he stopped writing and working on new music because to him, the enjoyment is getting that music out there and then sharing it with the world, going out and touring. And he was worried that if he recorded stuff and got out there in the world, and he wouldn't be able to tour that by the time it was time to go out and promote the, the album and tour and share it with everybody in the live setting, his taste would have changed and it wouldn't be fun for him to play that. So he actually got back into uh, what he started his career <laughs> is making furniture, he said. So he started working on making furniture for the first year and a half of the pandemic and not writing anything.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. When this whole thing started, I had this idea about the Taylor Swift index, right? When, yeah. like when Taylor Swift goes back on tour, then we know it's COVID's over. And to my knowledge, she hasn't announced the tour yet. And uh, these take a year in planning. So, yeah, we, we get, that's interesting. Like what White had said, the whole process is like with authors, too, right? Like it takes a year or two to put, to get, put together. And by the time it comes out, maybe the world has changed. But very insightful from Jack White, another great Detroiter. He, uh, I, opening day in Detroit, you've probably seen it, but he did the American. National anthem, uh, fantastic. So one of
1: the, one of the best uh, versions. One of the National best versions. Anthem.
0: Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, um, the third man thing apparently is a reference to him in furniture making. I don't know. That's the so he, heard I, I heard
1: it when I was listening to this interview. He was talking about it. He was the third guy on the street that went into furniture making. So That's there's the three other houses on his street where the people that lived there were furniture makers. There we go. Um, all right, let's pivot
0: to another Detroit institution autos. Autos. I don't know if you read that article from GQ, but they've got this great article. It's called the New Day Motor Club, and they basically turn ugly, undrivable cars into works of art. Yep. It's a club where you can go out and get Geo Metros, Kia trucks, uh, Mitsubishi Raiders you know, these fantastic vehicles probably from the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and there's a the club that reveals the beauty of these kind of old junker cars, pretty cheap to make, easy to maintain. And, you know, when you live in an urban environment, you probably don't really care about. juxtaposition this was the same week. We got all this stuff about, you know, EF, uh, EVs. You got the CEO of Ford on the cover of Bloomberg. Um, I don't know. Auto industry, what a time to be alive. You had a very high, low situation. Even myself, I don't even know if I'll ever buy a car. Will I ever buy an EV car? I don't know. I, I, I used to have a saw back in the day I got rid of, Tearfully, I don't know. It's interesting. Should you get an old car or should you get a new car? This is where we are today. What are your thoughts on
1: this? My my guess on the future is, and I think it's sooner rather than later, there will no longer be a ownership component to cars. Most cars will be rented. You'll you'll have timeshares of vehicles and go that way. So it is. It's a weird, I mean, it, it's similar, you know, in the, being in the housing industry and development, um, how drastically things have changed over the last 20 years with people wanting to rent more than own and yeah. renting more and more of their life, even both at the beginning of their, their, uh, kind of out on their own of being, staying in rental apartments longer before they buy a house and then quicker selling their house and going back into a rental environment on the back end as, as empty nesters or, or older people. But you so can't imagine that we're gonna one. have that with a car too.
0: You can't imagine that having one car in your house that you got access to 24-7. I mean, just what sort of the medical situation or you know, like I could like we I like I change. mean so obviously it's just my wife and I. So we just have one car. We live in you know DC, so we got access to great public transportation. We're not far from downtown, we can hop in an Uber or a cab or an Alto or whatever. Um but I, I don't know. There's something to me reassuring about at least having one car when alcohol breaks loose, or you know, if you got to catch an early train, at least you got a way to get to the train station. Um, you're saying we're going to go completely, so there'd be like there's just going to be cars, like scooters, sitting yeah. around the neighborhood, and you're just going to yeah. pop in and take pop off
1: in and go. You sound, you sound like uh, my mother who doesn't want to get rid of her landline at her house. I need that phone attached to on. the wall. I dropped the landline one time uh, ago. <laughs> I think I'll it's think a similar analogy, though. I'll think I think there's a couple. I mean,
0: I think a car is. A, I don't know, man. Like the emergency situation, you'd be a kids in the house. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a bit of a security blanket, and maybe that'll be. I don't know. Enough for the auto industry, but this pivot to EVs is quite dramatic. Um, you know, it gives the auto industry another thing to talk about. It requires less workers, which unions know, um, to make these cars. And to me, nobody's talking about the mining around all this stuff. I mean, the fact about the minerals yeah, yeah, we the, need the, to make the this mark, happen is. The
1: marketing spin that has been put together of, of how important it is for you to own an electric vehicle is just amazing. Impressive. How quickly that's been pushed out. Yeah. Yeah, it's impressive for sure.
0: And I, what's interesting to me is why I think you know we have multiple fuel sources now to power vehicles. Um, you got to think hydrogen is going to play a role in there too like we just made a drive the other day you know it's like a six-hour road trip and i don't know you couldn't really do that in an ev situation it would add like another hour to your journey you know there's there isn't really infrastructure yet to go long distances but you have the hydrogen situation so i don't know maybe you're gonna have more hybrid cars we both petrol and evs but i don't know I, I think we're. i think families will have at least one car i can't see a situation where we're going to drop cars completely I, I mean are you when are you going to drop cars? Day. I mean you've got like 18 not, cars in not, here.
1: I'm not ready. We have
0: two uh, cars. <laughs> I
1: know, but you've got right.
0: So you have a fleet. So why why don't you get rid of one car?
1: Can't do it yet because there's not a
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Not a system built around being able to own hours of a timeshare of a car. That'll be But sure it's a classic chicken
0: do. the egg situation, right? Yes. Um okay. What was it? I can't remember the service I was using for a while. What's the local – it's been a few years. Oh, my God, I'm getting so old. The local – I was paying, like, 10 bucks a month. I could access a car whenever I wanted. I don't know. For the zip dad. car? Yeah, zip car. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of smart. But yep. um, the challenge – I guess you're right. There was never enough cars closest to me. It was always – like, there yeah. are cars available, but they could be miles away. It wasn't easy enough for me to, like, walk there, bike there. I don't know. So it's a combination of chicken and the egg. What's but, that?
1: And then as soon as the autonomous side of it gets better –
0: the, the autonomous is never going to happen, dude. You think, like, let's think about Cincinnati. You think there's going to be autonomous cars going around the seven hills of Cincinnati? Yes. Uh, no way, man. You, you can't even get good Google Maps in downtown Cincinnati. So, how they're going to, like, set up autonomous future, I think it's a bit of a pipe turn, dude. Let's say Minneapolis, dude, in the dead of winter. <laughs> you think autonomous is going to work in February in Minnesota? There's, I don't think there's so. There's
1: going to be winners and losers.
0: Yeah, a lot of losers. losers. The autonomous thing, I think if you're driving, you know, from LA to Vegas in the desert and it's perfect weather, yeah, that might work And you're driving in a straight line. I don't know. Urban cores. London. I mean, autonomous cars in London. I don't know, man. Boston. I think that's another pipe dream. I think it's going to be hard enough for these guys to flip to the EV model. Let alone yeah. drop all this technology, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe Mayor Pete, our famous uh, transportation secretary, yes. tran- Secretary Pete, will sort this out. So I don't know. I'm not as bullish on the uh, autonomous.
1: Another area we differ. I'm bullish on. It. I don't think it's going to take a long time. But what's well, gonna- a long time? Yeah. All right. Give me a time frame. Twenty years. So by
0: twenty forty, twenty 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 forty two. Yes. The majority of the cars will be autonomous. 51%
1: will be autonomous. Driven driven by the insurance companies. They'll say it's safer.
0: Define autonomy. You're saying like 100% autonomous, like no wheel, like no steering wheel?
1: The majority of the cars, 51% of the cars in 2042, no steering wheel.
0: I think, I'll i take that bet, James. Right. <laughs> Buy another NFT. Like, I, that's another thing. I think autonomous may work on the highway system, but like the last mile is going to be a huge challenge. You live in an old city. I mean, I can't yeah. see autonomous working in, you know, but you're more bullish. You're about the future. Brigadier Radio is about the future. <laughs> Chad Muniz is about the future. All right, let's finish up with our favorite segment, what we're reading and watching. Do you want to go first?
1: I think uh, I think it's a great, great been a great two weeks for uh, HBO for us. So I've I've been uh, watching Winning Time, the story of the LA Lakers, uh, which has uh, been fun, been a fun watch. Sometimes Adam McKay's get a little tough to watch, but uh, sometimes.
0: So I watched one episode of Winning Time. I was done with it. Adam McKay. I just I've had enough of Adam McKay. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old and cranky in my old age, but I don't know. I don't have time for Adam McKay anymore. I'm pro Will Ferrell. I don't know. It sounds great. I watched one episode. I had high hopes for that. I'm actually excited. I think there's a documentary. Somebody's doing a documentary on Magic Johnson. I don't know what platform. Maybe it's Apple. That's the only thing too. I I have no idea where this stuff is on anymore. Um, okay. So you've done the winning time. What else you got going on?
1: Uh, that, that's been, you know, then I've got some Nerdum stuff coming up. Get uh, a couple Marvel movies hitting the deck here. Um, so I've been watching a lot of previews, reading some back issue comics to get ready for it. So <laughs> Doctor Strange is coming out next month in May. And then uh, the new Thor movie trailer just dropped this week. So big things coming out for Disney Marvel.
0: So you're going to see those in the theater, the whole deal.
1: You're excited? Whole we'll deal, yeah. We're well,
0: getting back to H- it, so
1: I got to watch Go Batman ahead. on HBO too, which is now stream. Which I think I think is a great decision by Warner Bros. HBO to forty five days after theatrical release, it goes on their streaming platform. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I'm going to miss all of that. So I look forward to those reports. <laughs> um, no, we were both talking about the yeah. Speaking about HBO, we both watched the Tony Hawk yes. when until the wheels fall off, which I thought was fantastic um as you know i'm a huge fan of these kind of cultural sports that kind of punch way above the race surfing skiing skateboarding like i i never skateboarded i've no idea i don't know anybody who really does skateboard but i know skateboarding exists it's definitely impacted our culture and tony hawk oh my gosh this guy's been at the forefront of it the highs and lows he's probably made a few hundred million dollars just from that crazy video game alone great documentary um really capturing his entire life. And he was very forthright. I thought it was really great.
1: It was great. Uh, It was well done. And um, it was interesting to see just uh, how the ups and downs of how popular it would get. And then it would just go away. And uh, the lows he hit at the beginning and how it popped up. And really two things, uh, both times were kind of cool to see how it picked back up. You know, The first I think was uh, the adoption of VHS tapes and people starting to trade around tapes of skateboarding had a second right. resurgence for you know we kind of had this first resurgence and dip back down and then when that hit people were like oh have you seen this video and being able to actually figure out how the tricks work instead of just seeing in magazines and then uh once video game quality got to the stage that you could have that uh feel of actually skating and putting the game out was that last kind of spark to push it up. So it was cool. The other was just the guy's in his mid fifties and still doing it. It's insane. It hurts me to get out of bed in the morning. I don't know. To... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think for me the bookend's um uh, spot on. Like I think his dad getting involved and in figuring out a way to uh organize like competitions, have some kind of guidelines, kind of rules of the road for sporting competition was really important. And then the bookend um just the X games like once again, think about the NFL draft we were talking about, just this having these massive platforms to get a sport or an activity on TV. And broadcasting it to millions of people around the world really is a game changer, right? And then you got the online situation with games. It's again end to end situation. You got live events, you got television, you got games. It's really a great marketing lesson for where sports and kinda of entertainment's going.
1: And and you know, the things that you mentioned of the sports that really you're attracted to also do a great job in tying in the whole lifestyle around that brand and around that sport. So clothing, music, and the actual activity. So it's been great where other sports have a hard time tying in those other things, a part of your lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, like skateboarding
0: and surfing. Yeah. It would be interesting to check out the numbers. We do a quick search, but it's minuscule. I mean, we're talking a few million people that are actually probably surfers on the planet, but you're right. The clothing, the music, we're all impacted by it and skateboarding the same thing, you know, kind of that punk rock, Rebel Attitude. Um, Yeah, it's fantastic. And I thought they did a great job of the documentary. Two other things I watched, I finished up We Crash last night on Apple, Jared Leto, amazing performance. Um, What a ride. And, you know, I don't know, maybe WeWork didn't work out or hasn't reached its full potential. Maybe it hasn't come, but everybody knows the name WeWork. What a revolution. You've been in that space too. So uh, what a great story. And just how people get excited about unicorns, man. And sometimes, yeah, you know, it's, it's clear it's thinking goes out the, the wave, window right. when you're riding the wave, right? So, that was really interesting. And then, um, super pump, same kind of thing with Uber, good behind the scenes. I don't know. We're going to a real renaissance of uh, hyperbolic, crazy, uh, aggressive entrepreneurs and the rise and fall and the money about the money made and good stories, good television. It is.
1: And, I, you know, I think. At some point, in terms of the television, it's got to shrink down. We saw CNN Plus kind of implode already, but the explosion of streaming services and how they're going to deal with that is going to impact things. And all these groups were the unicorns. I mean, even Netflix took a huge blow uh, this week. So, figuring out how that works is going to be important. To figure out how we continue to get our fix of what we're watching. Well, winners and losers.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to place these big bats, especially if you want to introduce, you know, change situation, make big bets. Somebody told me the other of the day, um, yeah, if you have a lot of money, you can change anything. You know, I was joking like, yeah, CNN Plus didn't spend enough money. They only spent $300 million. They're spending like close to $9 million <laughs> to $10 million a day. And they gave up, you know, I don't know. Maybe they should have spent more money. And I also was joking that I'm pretty sure I could have crashed CNN Plus for only $7 million a day. So, <laughs> I could have done it for $200 million, which is equally amazing too. Like you imagine if that, you know, business is super hard, right? And you, you've got yeah. $300 million and you can't make it work and you've got $100,000 and you're trying to make something work It just gives you a sense to like, business is freaking hard, man. It's
1: hard. You got to be lucky. You got to be there at the right time. Um, and, and investors are fickle. So it'd be interesting how some of this plays out. I mean, the fact that Netflix took such a dive and people were running away from it just uh, because of their subscriber base is interesting. Was all that thing, which I never fully understood
0: in business school. This whole idea of goodwill on the accounting sheet, where you just can't, you yeah. know, the numbers don't fully add up. And the accountants say, oh, it's goodwill. So it's equal to this. And, you know, the value of brand getting back to WeWork. I mean, I guess WeWork is in a SPAC situation and there's a handful of stores. You know, I don't know exactly. I don't, is it still publicly traded? or went private? I don't know. But the WeWork brand has got to be worth. Yeah, know, a billion dollars. Brand. Like and, everybody knows that name, right? Like that's got to be worth a billion dollars. I think month. the
1: brand's worth a lot, and I think long term, still, co working space has a bright future in the real estate market. Yeah,
0: there's that idea too about the idea of boneyard, or you know, just because yeah, that idea, a good idea, doesn't always work at the time when it's launched, right? Maybe it's just yep. too soon, too early. Who knows? But so, all right, our assignments are to buy buy an NFT, NFT from a band we like, and to buy WeWork. Is that what we're doing? We're buying WeWork.
1: That'd be awesome. And to watch sounds more good. Adam, watch more Adam McKay. Yeah, no? I got to finish out the series, but I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chad. Breaking Radio, it's been great.
0: Where we talk about emerging issues, independent thinkers. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in
1: uh, two weeks. Two weeks sounds good. Thanks, Mark. Go Brown.